Hello and welcome back to the Arsenal Therapy Podcast. My name's Farhan, also known as Gunner Since 96. And joining me here this afternoon to discuss um, two points dropped. I can confirm it is definitely two points dropped uh, at West Ham. And we've, I mean, we're, we're, we're quite lucky. I mean, there is a, a little bit of a silver lining here in the sense that this is a therapy show and we have got all hands on deck, all hands on board um, with Monty and Adam. So, boys, welcome back. This is the first time that all three of us are here. Um, I'll start off with you, Adam. You are obviously, you know, we, we put out a tweet for those of you that aren't following us on Twitter. Adam is officially part of the Arsenal Therapy Podcast um, co-host roster, if you want to call it that. So, first and foremost, welcome aboard, my friend. It's really, really good to have you here. I, I mean, I wish it could have been on... on you know, <laughs> better um, on a better note, but you know, yeah. we kind of find ourselves where we are. So, first and foremost, how are you doing? Have you had time to process what's happened? I mean, I know you know it's been it's only been fifteen minutes since the full time whistle, which is interesting because this is all raw emotion. We haven't been able to process everything as of yet. Um, but tell me, what's going through your mind at this moment in time? I think I, I'm i just completely confused by that performance. It's, it's been such a weird afternoon because I was obviously looking forward to doing the pod. First 10 minutes, I was thinking, this is great. We're going to have a, a great chat about Arsenal playing West Ham off the park. And then I'm absolutely gutted now. And uh, like we, as we've been chatting for the last few minutes, I think it's just... It's completely bizarre the the level of the performance and I guess the, the confused feelings of the title race now because that was a game that we should have won that quite easily. So yeah, what a weird afternoon of football that was. Yeah, and you know we're here to dissect it all, um, and hopefully Monty can help me with that because, um, well. Back in the days, I'll take you back in the time machine. It was James who would be the voice of reason and would, you know, usually try and let me see things in a more, I guess, optimistic, positive light. Um, can we can we count on you to do that, Monty? How, how are you feeling? Just <clears throat> disappointed, I'd say. Um, the fact that we've gone now two games in a row, 2-0 up in the first 25 minutes and come back and drawn it. It, it, that just pisses me off. That just that just pisses me off. Um, and it, and it merely just comes down to, I, I'm I'm not even joking. Our centre back depth. That's it. If Saliba was in that game, in both of those games, those goals weren't happening. End of. They're just they're just not happening. Um, so that was frustrating. 
I mean, we are still technically first, even if Man City do win in their game in hand right now, would only be a point behind them. But now it just puts uh, so much more pressure onto the City game and we have to beat Newcastle. And if we play like that against West Ham, if we play like we did today against any other team, we've, we're not we're not winning the league. That was a subpar performance that just lacked application. It was like they were being beaten by the occasion. Like the, the the pressure of the city of city chasing was just getting too much for him, and that's what worries me more than anything. Because um, Arteta didn't really look too composed in his subs. Like waiting to the eighty fifth minute to put on a to put on what um, I think it was was it I didn't know it was Tross no was it Trossard at the eighty fifth was it it was uh, in Kaya in Kaya and then like Trossard and that subs like it's just too long. Like the game is clearly gone. Saka was tired. Why was he still on the pit on 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 the pitch? Like I was kind of confused. I can't lie. Um, but hey, I, we've got to. We have to win. We just have to win now. We we literally can't drop any points. Um, so our little bracket, our little pocket of safety net that we had is now gone. Um, and that's just going to come down to sort of the players' application and whether they're going to rise up to the occasion. Um, I don't. I can't. I holding can't be our centre back for the rest of the season. He's just a liability. Like he can do a job, but he's just a liability. Like when when the game is like on the crunch, and you need a, a solid, resolute defender who can calm your nerves. Holding is not that guy. He's not that guy. Gabriel and Saliba are now next to each other. Were almost imperious. You can you can find a way to get around it. and they just calmed you even when you had counter-attacks you never worried every time West Ham got that ball today and were running down at our, our centre on our wings I was worried I was constantly looking who's on him who's on him where's holding because yeah I was it's been a bad day it's been a bad day and I'm more just annoyed at the fact that we went 2-0 up again Again, it's the first time ever in Premier League history that a team top of the league has let a two-goal lead slip in successive games. Mm. Well, I mean, I, I can only echo what you guys have said, really. It's it's incredibly frustrating to have watched Arsenal beat every team they play off the park, left, right, centre, throughout large periods of the game. And it just... I mean, yeah, it's exactly that, isn't it, Monty? It's 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 a case of just fumbling under pressure. And we've got a history of that. We've got a really bad history of that. And, you know, up until this point, I thought Arsenal had turned a leaf. They had, um, you know, gotten past this, I guess, glass ceiling or this mental block of not being able to, you know, turn up for big, um, oppositions, which they've done. You know, we've beaten all the big sides. We're competing in every game. But it, it it's now whether we can handle the pressure. And it seems like we can't. It seems like what's happening is we know we're there. <laughs> we know there's like seven games left. And all of a sudden, this mountain of weight is just too heavy to handle. Um. I, I mean, me and um, me and Adam were talking just before you came, Monty, and um, I was mentioning the City game, and it just frightens me to go anywhere near that fixture because of 
the performance that we put in in that second half, especially the second half as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I think you can break this game down into different phases because obviously there was that opening first 10 minutes where we were all over them. Then the second phase of the game where we were almost in autopilot, um, just cruising without, you know, putting any uh, pressure or without, you know, maintaining that intensity. And then there was the the, the, the next phase of, um, capitulating or you know doing an arsenal on ourselves yeah. I uh, mean party party had a shocker today I think yeah absolutely terrible absolutely terrible I, I, I would have much rather he brought on Georgini because I think when Georgini actually came on we looked a lot better in yeah we definitely did and it was just when party came like, it, it just wasn't the races and I think as a manager, if you if you see that, yeah, you can stick with your players. When you get to this part of the season, you've got to be ruthless. You've got to be ruthless as a manager. You've got to be like, now nah, you need to come off. And That's the strange thing about up. Arsenal, right? So ever since, I mean, up until this point, we have been really cutthroat when it comes to teams, when it comes to performances, when it comes to the football that we've been playing. It's been really ruthless. But for whatever reason, today just felt like a really off day. It was almost as if we're nine points clear, we only need to win two more games and then the title's wrapped up. Not the fact that City have won. City won yesterday, blew their opposition away and now they're three points away. It didn't. It never seemed like that. It always seemed like we were playing a game where it did. we didn't necessarily need to win. And, you know... We need to remember here, it was against the West Ham side who have been absolutely, pardon my French, dog shit. They've been really, really awful this season. They're teetering on the edge of, of relegation. Um, and I mean, I can't, I can't, I can't seem to wrap my head around what happened. There was, I don't, I mean, unlike Liverpool, there wasn't a specific moment where, you know, we, we kind of self-destructed. Um, I guess I guess the penalty is the most obvious <clears throat> event, but the second half is almost always a, a restart point, um, and it was most notably that forty-five minutes which defined this conversation that we're having now, and I guess the worry and concern that all fans are going to have going into um the Southampton game <laughs> and then the City game no game is easy now especially the Southampton game. look Southampton aren't relegated I, I, I don't think they they I mean I'm, I think they will end up getting relegated but I don't think their relegation status will be confirmed until the last maybe two games I think they will cut it right down to the wire um but that game against Southampton even though it's at home massive massive amounts of pressure uh City obviously have to go to Bayern with a 3-0 lead and, and that game for them is really you know, done. They only need to um, put in a, you know, half a decent performance before playing the semi-finals against Sheffield United. So look, a lot of momentum going for City, um, and also on the other hand, look like a side who are kind of who who will need to rely on a little bit of fortune and luck, um, because you know when when it and and I don't think Arsenal have had a period in this season where we've had a bad patch. You know, we lost to City and we bounced back. We lost to United, we bounced back. It seems like our bad form, our kind of the period in the season which all teams have where they drop off is happening right now, which is the worst, <laughs> the worst time you could possibly have it. Um, let's let's discuss really quickly before we go into the game the starting lineup because there were some changes and you know. 
this whole idea of keeping our cl- cards close to our chest, Arteta will know what's best for the boys in terms of like, you know, mentally um, keeping them in the right state of mind. Um, but how irritating is it for him to, you know, turn around in the press conference to confirm that Zinchenko's fine, everything's fine, and then a day later or two days later um, for it to not be fine and to find out that actually he's not going to be in the starting lineup. I mean, does it make a difference? Does it add pressure to the side? Adam, would you, would you reckon? I think that's, that's just the nature of football. You have to respond to it. Everyone gets them and we are very fortunate that we've got two very, very good left backs. I don't think there's another team in the league with two left backs of the quality of Zinchenko and Tierney. So to be honest, it was one of those I was disappointed when Zinchenko was ruled out because I think he gives us that extra element of control in midfield. But overall, it was one of those games where I thought I am more than happy Tierney coming in here. And to be honest, I, I I don't really think there's a game that I wouldn't trust Tierney in. I think he's proved himself over the years. I think Zinchenko just does something extra that Tierney doesn't have. But, but, but yeah, I, I wasn't overly concerned. And I think it, in terms of preparation, it changes it slightly going into the game for Arteta. But overall, like you're training every day with the same players. You're at the point of the season now where... It, Everyone should know each other well enough, and I think Tierney's been around the club long enough that him coming in on a day like today shouldn't phase him. And let's face it, he didn't look phased. I thought he had quite a good game today. Um, aside from that, there wasn't really anything in the starting lineup that made me think that we were going to score any less than three or four goals today. Mm. Yeah, I mean, look, the attacking side is was unchanged. Um, obviously, you know, Tierney being the only change, but obviously Rob Holding still continued on um, because of, you know, Saliba remaining on the sidelines. Still yet to hear, really, what's happening with Saliba and how many weeks he's he's off for, which, as a fan, it's 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 quite frustrating to not be on, on, a, on a, you know, no-two basis. Like, mm-hmm. I guess... I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how much we can use this as um, an excuse. I, I don't think we can really read into this. It's definitely really unconventional um, from a Premier League manager to keep as many things to himself the way that Arteta does. Um, I don't know why that is. I don't know why he's choosing to do that. But as, as a fan base, it, it doesn't help us to, it doesn't help ease our nerves and our, I guess, um, you know, self-destruct Sound. button <laughs> that we, that we often press on ourselves because no doubt, you know, the Arsenal fan base will be going into meltdown mode tonight and for, for at least the next six days. Um, Monty, what did you make of the, the starting lineup? Obviously, you know, unchanged from uh, last week, other than Tierney, so did you did you you know read anything into it? How were your thoughts going into the game? Um, to be honest, I was a little bit worried. I mean, because Tierney hasn't played like any game time at all, pretty much this season. He's hardly played. I was a bit worried. Um, 
I mean, I get why Holden had to play. Just annoying that he is, and the fact that he's our option. Um, I mean, midfield was it's what you expect, and uh, the front three was what what you'd also expect. Um, bench options are fine, so it wasn't really the one I was worried about though was that Zinchenko because Zinchenko is so pivotal to how we play. Uh, and Tierney's just a very different player. So what I would have liked to have seen because of Tierney, he doesn't really do that inside inverted fullback role where he comes inside and makes an extra man. Um, so I would have liked maybe Vieira instead of Xhaka just to have a bit more creativity in the middle mm. um, rather than just sort of a physical presence. Um, that would be like the, the one thing um, I would have liked to maybe seen some. I'd have liked, honestly, I would have liked to have seen Ninketia. I know that's controversial, um, but I just think Ninketia is just right fit for this style of game. Um, and it's, it annoyed me that he came on with literally like no time at all. He should have been on ages ago, and Saka should have come off, and Yezus should have gone onto the wing, but. Hey ho, uh, you, you, you live and learn. Um, but yeah, I wasn't really too, too fast. I was just more worried that Tierney had to come on, and we didn't really sort of look like we changed our way of how we play. Um, but the way that Tierney plays, he doesn't play that Sinchenko role. So I, I was, I was more worried about it could affect how we go forward. And well, from the start, we were looking great. Um, but as we got into it, they, they, they started spotting the gaps and started getting in behind Tierney and um it's just yeah, and getting in behind White with the long ball. So it was quite it was quite a difficult day. Um but apart from that, it wasn't really any shocks or anything like that, to be honest. I think I think that was pretty much every lineup everyone would have gone with with the options that were available. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that 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 would, yeah. So it was just it was just I wanted to see how we would change bearing that Tini's just a very different player to Zinchenko. Mm. As, as you speak, I'm trying to figure out um, what it was that affected us the most. What was the one thing that stopped us from being able to, you know, be as fluid as we usually are? Um, and I think that the Kieran Tini, not, not necessarily the performance, but I think the role that he was trying to play was perhaps the wrong one the Tierney that we're used to is the one that hugs the sidelines is the one that explodes and makes those really rapid uh solo runs up and down that channel whereas today we saw a little bit more of a Zinchenko-esque um role in the sense that he was you know cutting in sitting in front of the center halves playing as a an additional uh central midfielder at times he was even taking up Jesus's role up front um, so it, it was a little bit confusing in that sense but look you know in the first 20 25 minutes it was working and and the reason why it was working was because everything else was working in and around him um that opening 10 minutes was as good as it's been you know really really good controlled and measured i guess um football you know, with the way that we were holding possession, passing the ball, um, taking up the, the 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 positions in the pitch, playing at a really calm tempo, and I, that's one thing that I've really admired about 
Arteta's Arsenal, you know, compared to uh, Unai Emery's Arsenal and even Arsene Wenger's Arsenal. It's the, it's the way that we hold possession. It's not, it doesn't necessarily need to be pretty effective um, or it doesn't need to look good on the eye. But the best type of possession I've seen Arsenal play is the one where we're passing the ball around in a really controlled fashion. It it doesn't look as good as it is, if that makes sense. And not many teams are able to do that. Um, and it and it puts the opposition in a, I guess, um, strange place because they don't really know how to read the game. Um, Arsenal are one of the very few sides who are able to create chances from nothing. And it happened very early on. You know, Martinelli puts in a really lovely cross into the box. Gabriel's header isn't the cleanest. Um, but very soon after that, we get a goal. And it's a brilliant team goal. And it's one where, again, it's just being part... It's, it's, it's one pass after the, after the other, on the edge of the box. Um, the, 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 the thing that stands out for me in that goal is the Partey pass... Um, to Odegaard it's like a really wonderfully muted pass so softly placed into Odegaard who slots it into White White plays the ball across to the face across the face of goal for Jesus to tap in it's just a wonderful excellent Arsenal goal and at that point you're just thinking well you know this is this is going one way uh, you know very reminiscent to how kind of City um, started their game off yesterday what did you make of that that first goal uh, or that first opening I guess five minutes Adam um, very much very similar to the way that we've been playing football all season and again just the confidence oozing out of the team from everyone as well not just one or two individuals just every player who had the ball being able to you know do what they want to the ball with it yeah, they, it was just a real team goal as well. That pass from Partey was superb. And then nice control from Saka. Very close footwork back. And um, then it's a great ball from Odegaard into Ben White as well. And then that cross is inch perfect. It's a small gap he has to put that in. And he take, he puts it exactly where he wanted. It wasn't the most convincing tap-in from Jesus. He kind of scuffed it into the net. So, uh, so yeah, but it was as far as openings go, it was the perfect start. And as you say, we had the Gabrielle chance just before that, which again was a great ball in from Martinelli. And yeah, it was it was one of those. A lot of our attacking players were involved. Party had a couple of touches in the build up to that, and uh, and yeah, it looked like it was going to be the perfect afternoon from that point onwards, just because of how well we moved the ball how much everyone seemed to be clicking. And yeah, the goal itself, we just cut West Ham open because there's a lot of players in that West Ham box at the time. They're essentially at, at the point when the pass is played. I think they have pretty much every player around their box. So they, there's probably a good 10 players in that box and we just kind of skipped through them. It made it look very, very easy as well. So kind of the perfect start there and... You just hope we want to get a second, which we did. But but yeah, it, it feels strange after the way it ended, talking about such a beautiful goal to start everything off. 
Yeah, polar opposites. I mean, th- this is why I can't, I'm sitting here and I feel a bit stunned at the fact that we got two successive goals in the opening 10 minutes. Both goals, just fantastic, phenomenal football. And it's not surprising for me to, I guess, the, the, the thing that I'm surprised at most is what happened after, you know, in the second half. I'm not surprised at the fact that we scored those two amazing goals because I know what we're capable of doing. But I just wasn't, I'm not, you know, I didn't think we were capable of throwing it away like the way we did. Um, And obviously we were going to get to that. But Monty, second goal that we scored, came in the ninth minute. Fantastic Arsenal goal again. Switch of play from Jesus to Martinelli. Puts in a beautiful ball. Um, Cleared out, you know, uh, but Tierney puts it back into Martinelli. And again, wonder, another wonderful cross in the back post. Odegaard doesn't even need to do much, but you know, with his technical ability, just guides it into the back of the net. Um, at that point, what are you thinking? At that point, I'm, I was—I literally got up, put the kettle on, and I was like, "Well, this is going to be an easy day in the office." And I was about to write notes about how <laughs> wonderful Arsenal were, how quick they were, how hungry and ready they were for this game, and. How Mikel Arteta is an absolute genius, um, and then well, yeah, realism. Um, but no, I was I was feeling good. I thought it was just going to be another one of those. Do, do you remember when we spoke about it? It was it was like the Arsenal at the start of the season hmm. when we were just bang, 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 goal, 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 like off the bat, close the game off within the first 20, 30 minutes, and it was just you sit back and watch. That, that was basically what, what I was going for. Um, but again, because defensive blunders, that wasn't the case. I think even David Moyes in his post-match uh, speak even said, like, something along the lines of, like, we were 2-0 down. I was thinking to myself, oh, my God. And then uh, even he was surprised that, that we uh, sort of forward. So, yeah, I mean, the, the second goal was great. Watching it, I was in... I think I think every Arsenal fan was in high spirits. I thought I, f- I think I can't imagine there was a single Arsenal fan when that second goal went and went. Yeah, we're going to draw this game. Mm. I can't can't really see it. Um, but as as a as a whole, um, yeah, I was expecting maybe a four four nil three nil. The way the way we were keeping the ball, the way we were moving about, the way we were pushing forward, the way we were counter pressing. Where we were closing any of their um, sort of uh, outlets to get out of our press, we just closed them down. Um, and all we had to do was just keep that focus really for for ninety minutes. Um, and then we had the silly penalty giveaway. The penalty gave him belief, gave us doubt because I think I think one of the biggest issues today really was we obviously were well aware of City's pressure on us. And um, when we went two and up, we were like, oh right, okay, cool. Um, then the silly just it was just silly it just shouldn't have happened um, before we get on to the penalty was, there was we, we've just finished talking about phase one so I do want to break this product. <laughs> I think it would be good actually to break this into phases because that's the only way that we can try and figure out what happened what went wrong mm. and the, the first phase which was fantastic we scored two goals in the opening 10 minutes the second phase was before we gave the penalty away which was I guess you could call it complacency or maybe a lack of desire to score the third goal. Why was that? Why was it the case? And and again, I pose this question because it's happened twice in two successive weeks. Last week against Liverpool, where they were there for the taking. And it was almost identical in this game, where after the first 10 minutes, after being 2-0 up, we were still looking really hungry for more. We were still playing really good football, but it just it started to reduce. It started to just fade away. And Arsenal almost almost looked as if 
the job had been done and that we were, I mean, I mentioned earlier, we looked like we were on autopilot. It was just almost like a training drill. The ball just being passed from all different sections of the pitch, mm-hmm. really calm, really dominating, really, you know, uh, classic Arsenal, very classy-like, you know. Um, what do you think went wrong? What do you think was the problem? Was it a problem that we were too comfortable? Or was it the problem that we weren't clinical enough? Or was it a problem that we just weren't hungry enough for the third goal? We just decided at that point that 2 nil was good enough. Let's just cruise. I think it was all of the above, really. I think inexperience as well. Um, I feel like if you say looked at like a city side, when they go two and up on team, they don't. They never give up. They just keep ploughing away and trying to score the goals. I think there was maybe a little bit of um, sort of fear or sort of doubt in the sense that right, they were like, right, we got these two goals. Let's just sort of keep it now. We just need to sort of keep the ball. Don't need to do anything risky. Um, when in football you have to take risks if you don't take risks you don't get rewards um, so it's a bit of everything really and I, I, I don't know what it was and it, but it's like even with the Liverpool game like, like you said it was there for the taking and then it was just sort of just, just poor so I say poor substitutions as well really uh, in that game and there was an incident with the Jacquet pipe when it sort of pumped up the crowd and that happened with the West Ham game that penalty that stupid penalty given away sort of got them into the game uh, got the fans into the game and then sort of quietened us and put because I think every single Arsenal fan is probably biting their nails every single game now do you know what I mean we're really in that crunch time there is no time to to sort of fault us so even the fans can feel that they're not sort of uh, as confident as they were like everyone really matters so I think there's a whole array of things that will put into it but I think as a whole I think it's mainly just sort of pressure and inexperience at the moment Mm. And, and just sort of closing those games. Yeah, yeah. Um, Adam, I mean, look, same question to you. Uh, you know, we were really, really good in that opening 10 minutes. And we were, I would say, as good following that, the, the second goal. But it just started to kind of fade away a little bit. Um, the first moment that I realised where, you know, alarm bells started to, to, to ring was a poor tackle from holding on the edge of the box on, on, on Antonio, I think on the, on the left-hand side, they win a free kick. They don't make much of it, yeah. but it, that was the first sign for me where complacency was coming into play and a lack of concentration, maybe. Um, what do you put it down to? Yeah, I think that, that, that foul on Antonio, that was on the 18-minute mark. Right before that foul was made, uh, a stat popped up in Sky saying uh, Arsenal had had 125 passes to West Ham's 26 in the first 17 minutes of the game. Uh, that showed just how dominant we were, even after the second goal. And then that holding foul, that to me, that was far too close to the box for my liking. And it was just a poor foul. He gets past him far too easily. He kind of just, like, he runs from the touchline right around him and like holding's a big lad he he needs to get his body in the way of someone like antonio much earlier than that and then it was it was around that part where uh, we were really popping the ball around the park jesus at times was he was a right back for quite a while then he was in center mid and he was seeing a lot of the ball as good as jesus says i don't think he's not a playmaker I want to see him higher up the pitch causing problems because I think we were happy just popping it around we weren't looking for that that really clinical edge and as Monty said 
at the way City go whenever they're they're two 0 up. They're looking for that third goal, kill the game, and exactly what we saw yesterday against Leicester. They want that game over before half time. Get their star players off, get their feet up, and instead we were just. It was very apathetic at that point. Um, there was no real energy or desire to go for that third goal. It just seemed we were holding on to the ball. And I think that's when overconfidence really crept into our performance. And yeah, it was a very, very strange performance after that because we weren't moving the ball high up the park. We were A lot of our play was kind of around the middle. And I guess that's where Saliba comes in. When he's on the pitch, he is taking those extra five, six steps up the pitch. Mm. And we're not popping it around the halfway line. We're, our two centre-backs are in the opposition half. And again, if you look at City yesterday, and for large parts of the first half, they had all their defenders 10 yards into the Leicester half. Today, when I was looking at holding and even white at times all our defenders were they were quite deep by our standards it wasn't the usual high line we play and there wasn't that front foot dominance again that we see for me there was just a real overconfidence and we saw that at Anfield as well because after watching the game back last week we were playing one touch passes in and around our box and just really, like, we've been far too casual. And the, the other thing is, holding's very limited on the ball. And I, I said to you before we started recording that it's some, it's not what he gives you on the pitch, it's what he can't give you. It's the things he's not capable of. But he does look for the ball a lot. He's always calling for it. And <laughs> I don't want to as much as he does. And because when he gets it, he plays a square pass to Ben White. And Whereas Saliba has that imagination, he has the ability to actually impact the build-up deep in the pitch. But yeah, I do think a lot of it was overconfidence and just thinking we can see this out. And mm. it, it, I saw a, a great tweet that summed it up from Jack the Gunner, who, uh, is, uh, but yeah, he said we were playing three-nil football at two-nil, and that to me is kind of the best analogy I've seen of this. We were. We were overconfident. We just we thought we had one game, and actually, when you're tuning up that early, there's still a long period of the game to play. And if you let if you let a home team back into it, the crowd get back into it, and that's exactly what we did. We were too cocky, and yeah, I think again, as multi inexperience crept in, but it wasn't just the young players. It was Thomas Party had a real stinker today, and. I don't think Shaka didn't impact the game much. I don't think he had a bad game. Uh, he completed a lot of his passes, and but I just didn't feel that he had a real impact on the game. So not a bad game, but it's those experienced players in those moments that you want to step up and really take control of the game. Mm. I don't think either of them did that today. Yeah, you've made two interesting points um, and I do want to unravel them a little bit. And I think those are the two main reasons for why we we weren't as explosive as as we maybe should have been. And that's the um, the Jesus positioning, which I felt like, and I made a note of this, I, 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 I put in in bold that <laughs> he was almost epitomising the Rude Hullet, um role when, 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 when he was at Chelsea which was, you know, playing anywhere and everywhere. 
And I think you made a really good point where you when you said that he needs to be up the pitch. He doesn't need to be a playmaker because when he when he makes that role as a playmaker, no one is up there to feed him the ball to then do what he needs to do, which is pulling defenders out of place, getting Martinelli and Saka into those positions. So that's one. Number two, the second point, the point you made was not playing as high of a line as we have been. And having Saliba there is so crucial because he forces us to play that high line. And when we're not playing a high line, we're, we're found popping the ball between our centre-backs. I mean, there was a moment in, in, in the 87th minute where the ball, we were literally passing the ball in our own half between Shaka holding Gabriel because they, they didn't have a clue as to how to get the ball in between the lines and try and surpass that first, I guess, resistant line, resistance line. Um, so th- those two for me may, may be the two um, big reasons for why we found ourselves just getting by until we pressed that self-destruct button <laughs> with um, part A, I guess, having a moment of madness. <sighs> I've always been a big advocate of playing until the until you hear the ref's whistle. And there have been a few times over the past few years where I've lost my head at players for stopping in moments that they don't need to stop. Partey does something that is so unlike Partey and it's just, it screams a lack of experience and just naivety. On the edge of the box where... He, I mean, you know, he tries to play the flick over Rice. Who can blame him? Player oozing with confidence. Um, you know, he's been given a lot of criticism I've seen on Twitter for trying to make that flick, um, you know, over Rice. We saw Jesus do it last week. That He did it beautifully. Um, so I, I'm not going to blame him for that. What I'm going to blame him for is stopping in the path where he thinks that Rice has handled the ball with his hand and allowing Rice to take the ball run into the box, play the ball across to uh, Paqueta, who's, I, I don't know whether you want to call it a foul or whether you want to call it a dive, but he wins the penalty. Um, and just putting Arsenal in a really, really terrible situation. Monty, am I being too harsh on Partey here? Or was it, I mean, what's your take on it? Do you think it was a handball? Do you think it was a case of just him, you know, having a, a, a bit of a mare? What do you put it down to? Uh, Monty, you might need to unmute yourself. Ah, yeah, good, good shout that one. Uh, yeah, no, do you mean him sort of that incident, or do you mean the uh, as a whole him playing? Just that incident, yeah. Um, I mean, I I would say it was handball. Um, I, I think it was just a bit clumsy. It it was just it was just clumsy. It was very everything just felt very slow. Um, and like you said, like we shouldn't have even been in that situation in the first place. Um, and it just goes to show that it was just lacking that edge, really, in a game. But now, part, I think Pi was probably one of our worst people on the pitch. I mean, I, I've been speaking about holding all, all, uh, all the this episode, but he wasn't. He was. He had his moments, but Pi was. He was. Uh, where was he? Do you know what I mean? Like, do, you know when like Pi comes into a game, like he dominates completely dominates and I mean although we had what I think it was like 78% possession or something like that today um, or 72 I can't remember it was something around that he just didn't really get involved um, and, and yeah in my opinion is 
it is a handball. It's just it is the letter of the law. Um, it is what it is. And if people want to moan about it, we also had a chance a little bit later with our own penalty, and all that went wide. Um, and I think so. You mean it's not a handball? No, I think it was a handball. Oh, no, you think was, you think um, um, things yeah, yeah. Um, Rice's uh, thing was a handball? Uh, what you mean? When, Sorry, pa- when, when Party tries yeah. to flick the ball over Rice, it hits his. You're saying it, it does hit his hand. It's a handball. Yeah, 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 yeah. It hits his hand. I mean, the only thing that the referees I think would would take into account is is the proximity and like, is it a natural position? But it, that's where it gets a bit skewed. But if you want to just go by the letter law and the ball hits his hand, then it's a then it's a handball, isn't it? Really? Mm, okay. Um, Interesting. Yeah, I think nine times out of ten, that's given. Really? I mean, wow, because I, I take a bit of a different stance to this. I think it's incredibly soft. If it's given, I think it's incredibly soft. Because I think, obviously, when we're watching it from different angles, um, you know, the narrative can change and can be altered. But um, the flick is made, and then to, to what from what I can see, it hits his kind of hip first before grazing his arm. Um and it doesn't look like, well, I don't know. It's a it's a matter of debate whether it's in an unnatural position or not. I I think I think if it's given, you know, we're we're quite fortunate in that sense. But in any case, even if it is a handball, is part a is <laughs> is part a okay to just protest in the middle of a really attacking? You know, situ- in a really dangerous situation where West Ham are attacking, and it's almost like a you know, like a two-on-two. Two, I think it might have been. Adam, what was your take on it? Uh, I think, to your point, uh, you play by the whistle. You absolutely do not switch off once you you think you've got it. So, whilst I think that's given a lot of times, it wasn't, and you buy on, and uh, you go and win the next ball and. For me, I, I didn't really have any complaints about the penalty. I thought it, it was out of character for Gabriel recently. We, we saw him do stuff like that in the past where he's gone to ground too early. But in it's been a long time since he's done something like that. And he you could see he, he pulls out, but he slid in. And I think Paqueta makes sure that he's getting the penalty there. The frustrating thing is... We didn't need to give it away because I think holding probably clears that ball because it it wasn't the best touch. Um, he's looking for a penalty, but if it's at the other end, I'm expecting one of our players to do the same. So, so that is, I tend to think of it that way. If it was at the other end, would we be screaming for a penalty? And um, we absolutely would have. So I think it's one of those. Uh, yes, in my opinion, it was a handball, but you play by the whistle and then. It was a stupid penalty concede, and it was it was at a time when the, nothing was happening in the game at that point. It was just it was a real apathetic performance from both sides. West Ham looked awful, and we just woke them up, gave them a sense of belief, and after that, the game changed because just because of one stupid moment from us where. Party tries something at the edge of the box. But the thing is, that kind of risk that Partey t- took at that point, he does that on a regular basis, and that's a big part of our build-up play. So it, it, I was thinking of this at half time. It's like, do you want him to do that there? 
when it goes wrong, you say no. You don't want them to take that risk there. But again, as Monty said, he dom- usually dominates games. And quite often, his dominance starts from that area of the pitch where he just flicks the ball past a man and he takes it very comfortably and he kind of strides up the park and pops off a pass. So I think he just doesn't get it right and he shouldn't have protested until that phase of play. I think as well to Adams, what Adams said Because he as well. clearly I mean, wasn't getting the free kick at that point. No, I think as well to add on is like, I, I have no issue with part, with uh, players making risks. Like you have to take risks in football. That 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 is just how you succeed. But what I don't like, and I think we both said it, is how he just switched off and and sort of like acted like a little school child that he hasn't been given given a foul. It, you you you're a professional. You carry on playing. Like if you take the risk and it doesn't pay off, it's your responsibility to fix it. So. The fact that he switched off—that's what—that's what annoyed me the most out of everything. Yeah, it's just no, like that, that really bothered me. And when I, when I saw it, and when I was watching it live, I was thinking, "What the fuck? Why have you stopped?" And then the penalty was given, and then they scored, and it was just a case of you know. And he didn't recover from that either. I mean, after that goal, he had a really yeah. terrible five minutes, losing possession again in the middle of the pitch, fouling Ben Rama, getting himself a yellow card, and you know, one could say that that was the trigger point where West Ham, so I, I guess, believe started to believe, you know, a period of real dominance, creating chances from uh, set pieces as well. I mean, I think I think the, the most dangerous that they were was during set pieces. Um, free kick, which Antonio bounces, his header bounces off the floor, Ramsdale tips it over, then a couple of corners that cause us a lot of issues. And, you know, with five minutes to go until the second half, until, sorry, the first half whistle goes, the, the momentum swung really, really quickly. I mean, West Ham were looking really, really confident and assertive as well in their pressing. They weren't pressing like that in the opening 20, 25 minutes, like the way that they were in the final five minutes. And also, on the other hand, just, I guess, not being able to respond, not being able to exchange blows because for whatever reason they were probably they probably had one eye on the clock and were just you know running down the time um yeah and not not a great end to the half um for Jesus Eva picking up a silly yellow card I don't know I, I I'm still I guess throughout this podcast I'm hoping that at the end of this podcast I'm able to figure out exactly what went wrong and what we did in order to um in order to see such a extreme swing in the way that we played our football. Um, but look, like I said, there's a reason why we have two halves of football. If, if one half isn't going great, you know, there is a time to hit the reset button and that is where the second half comes into play. But for whatever reason, it wasn't to be. Um, Monty, you know, from the very first minute, West Ham were causing problems. Uh, Holden looks like he was a little bit under pressure. They won a corner. There was a great chance for us. Odegaard whips in a really, really good free kick, flicks, uh, which is flicked onto Saka by Rice. The strike um, is deflected out for the corner, and the corner itself led to the penalty. Um, I don't think there's any arguments about the penalty. It hits his arm. It's in an unnatural position. 
if there's one person that you're looking to put that into the back of the net, it's probably Bukayo Saka, who's been so clinical on penalties. Um, however, before the penalty was taken, the ball was being held by Jesus, who's bouncing it around. And in the back of his head, he's probably thinking he wishes he could take it. And look, <laughs> hindsight's a beautiful thing. I probably wish he'd taken it as well. But what do you, what did you make of that penalty from Saka? I mean, me and um, me and Adam were having a quick chat about it. Um, Adam thought it was quite poorly hit. Me, on the other hand, I thought it was. Um, I, th- I thought the contact on it was really good. I think the pace mm-hmm. and the power on it was nice, it, but it just wasn't placed as well as he usually places it. Yeah, I think it was. What? What? what there's two ways it could have gone right. If it went in. Right, and he went into the top bins, which is clearly what he was aiming for. Right, that would have completely calmed everyone's nerves, and the fact that Saka would have taken that risk to go for a top bin penalty would have just completely gone. All oh, right, cool, we're good. Do you know what I mean? It, I think if that penalty went in, the game would have turned into a five-one. Um, but then at the same time, on the flip side, you can go: Could you have not just gone for a low, a low shot to one of the to one of the sides? Do you know what I mean? Um, I mean, like you said, yeah, I think it was it was good connection. Um, like there was no like sort of like tripping or anything on the run up or anything like that. There was no he knew where he wanted to put it. He just didn't execute it. Um, with foresight though, it's it it the worst. What I hate the most in football, I think it's one of the worst things that can happen is when like you 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 miss a penalty and then the team go and return it and score. That yeah. that has got to be one of the worst things I think because it, it's it's a game changer. If that penalty goes in, the game is done. I think at that point at that point in the game. Um, like I said, because especially to the way that he would have done it, would have gone for that top top left, would have just been crazy. Um, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hate on Saka. I mean, people miss penalties. I mean, Ivan Tony, Mister Inevitable, and penalties missed the other week, so it happens. Um, I just think with the context of the game, there's a lot. There was a lot more on it, um, and I think maybe with I I would have like if it was me personally, I wouldn't have gone for as such of a risky shot. Do you know what I mean? If it was like 2-0 and we got given an extra penalty, I would have made it ticking it. 2-1, when you're looking like the worst team uh, and you need to score this goal to put arms and nerves, I would have just gone for a nice, easy, low shot to the right or left. Um, but that's me personally. But I, I'm not going to, like I said, I'm not going to be here sort of like moaning at Saka. I think Saka was great today. He just looked tired and I think he should have come off way earlier than what he... um. What he, I don't think he did. He didn't even get subbed off, did he? No, he didn't. No. I think yeah. he should have been. And it's, it's, it's no say he wasn't good. I, on the contrary. Um, I just, but you could see he just looked tired. Um, and I don't want to sort of overburn him. Especially yeah. when we had like Smith Rowe and Nelson. And uh, I didn't get sort of a... Vieira coming on when Smith Rowe's there. I just think Smith Rowe is a is a is a better player in, in sort of the trenches. I think Vieira is a better passer, hundred percent. But I think when you when you need someone who's going to run out of, run out of defence and um, just get on it and 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 take on the one on ones, you need sort of a Smith Rowe sort of player. Um, yeah, if if buts and maybes, but the penalty itself from Saka, I'm, I'm it was disappointing. That's what I can say. It was just disappointing. I think maybe with a bit more experience, you'll probably know. Like if you're in that sort of moment, you, you just got to make sure it goes in. Don't go for the risky, glory top topping goals. I mean, it looks great, but 
just put it in the put it low right, low left. Mm. Adam, it tends to be the case that when teams come back from a, from being two 0 down, it's it's because they you know it's on their own account. Like Liverpool were really really good last week in the second half. They played really well. They played really good football. They asserted themselves. Um, they got the crowd behind them. In 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 this case, this seems like a uh, you know we've we've mentioned this term over and over again. This self destruct. This idea that Arsenal self destructed. Um, it definitely seems to be that way. Bowen scores almost immediately after Saka missed the penalty, um, and it, it's one of them. It's one of those goals where, you know, <laughs> we're looking busy in the box, but we're looking busy in the wrong kind of way. We're doing all the we're doing all the right things, but we're also not sticking with the fundamentals. Like Gabriel looks busy, but he's not aware of what's happening behind him, which is the most important thing as a centre-back when, when when you're defending um, f- on, a, on a set piece. You need to make sure what's happening all around you, 360, not just what's happening in front of you. Am I right in, in being yeah, as critical as I am with that goal? Yeah, I think it's it's just a per goal all around. It's, it's one of those, Bowen does well to stay on side. Because West Ham have about four other players in offside positions that are trying to get back onside. And Bowen times his run well. He does well to get into the box. I, I thought Ramsdale should have saved that, though. Yeah. He gets a hand to it and he, he pushes it onto the post and then. But after his performance last week, I thought that was very, very poor by his standards. And it was one of those, he kind of flapped at it. And it, it may have been because of the ball going into the ground first. But, yeah, I still think he should have been saving that. It was, it was a very poor piece of play. But one thing in the build like before all this happened, that it just got absolutely no attention on TV at all, which really frustrated me at the time. So Jesus is pulled down, uh, I think it's so foul, an arm yes, grinder, yeah, I remember, yeah. And then actually takes his boot off by standing on his foot. Mm. And um, they, they drew attention to Jesus going down holding his face and they said, it, it could, I, I don't know what it was, but but yeah, he, he actually physically got his boot taken off because it's, he's having his heels stood on yeah. and he's got it being pulled back by an arm. He goes down, they don't get a free kick, they get a throw in, which leads to... like. That ball's flung into the box. Gabriel clears it, and then it's put back in, and one scores. But it's again that moment in the the lead up, similar to last week Liverpool when Shaka was fouled by Canary. He doesn't mm. get the free kick, and then he stupidly went into Trent, and um, they end up getting a free kick in the other end and scoring. But it, it's. That was really confusing to me because it was, it wasn't a physical game. You would have got that as a free kick, again nine times out of ten that's given, and I don't understand how it wasn't a foul. But, but yeah, but it wasn't given, and for me, you just have to. It was such basic defending, and it was such a poor goal to concede mm. from both our defence and our goalkeeper. So here's here's where I stand on the decision and the officiating. Unlike last week, where you know these officiating decisions that were go- that went against us cost us dearly, and I felt like there was an agenda um, where you know officials and referees were absolutely 
dead set on making sure that Arsenal didn't get anything. This week, everything was in our hands. West Ham aren't a good enough side and the, and, and, and the environment and the atmosphere and the occasion wasn't as big as it was in Anfield. So usually, yeah, I would be, you know, fuming. I'll be at arms for decisions like that. But for, for whatever reason, this afternoon, today, um, I'm, I'm drawing more emphasis on what we did for the remaining what was it 35 minutes that was uh you know where we had to score a goal um as opposed to that particular situation and maybe some others um because after that it really did it it was really painful to watch um i, I don't think west ham were great yeah. and i don't think they were as good as maybe the pundits and the media will will, will try and draw them out to be I think mentally we looked really, really fragile. Um, we weren't releasing the ball quick enough. We were really static in possession, not enough communicating on the pitch. You could see that every ball was, uh, I guess, safe, risk-free passes that were being made. Um, almost, I guess, passes that you would use to um, draw a false narrative you know, that Arsenal had 70, whatever it was, 74, 75% possession. The pressure just, you know, it, we, there was a, a non-existent amount of pressure being put on West Ham. And I'll tell you where it got really bad. When Odegaard started to misplace passes, that's when, you know, you're at your absolute rock bottom. When Odegaard isn't able to place string passes together, you know there's a problem. And so a change needed to be made for me. I knew that without Saliba and Zinchenko, the one-dimensional passes from the back, the lack of creativity was not going to get the ball in the areas we wanted it to. And so we needed to bring individuals who were able to do that. Me, I would have loved to have seen um, Nelson come on earlier, Trossard most definitely, and Jorginho, potentially even Vieira. Um. Monty, what was your thoughts on Arteta taking off Jesus for Trossard? Who did you think this? What did you think the changes were going to be before we we found out it was Jesus and Partey? And did you did you were you, were you happy with Jesus coming off at that point? Not really. <clears throat> I think just with uh, I I understand why he came off um, in the sense that Trossard does offer a little bit. It's just very different. Um, he can sort of come in as a, as a sort of a, an auxiliary player, um, whereas Jesus, I think, needed to be on that. Just need, he needs to stand because he's got world class ability. Um, he's actually got the finishing touch. Um, I wasn't surprised by Party at all. Um, so I, I'm surprised Party was on the for the pitch as long as he was. If I'm going to be honest. Um, Personally, I thought Martinelli would come off. I think Martinelli had a really bad day against um, Corfau. Um, I think so. Corfau really had him sort of penned in, I can't lie. So I thought it was going to be Trossard coming on for Martinelli. Uh, I thought Jorginho would come on for party. Um, and then I thought maybe give it another 10 or so minutes and maybe get Reese Nelson on for Saka. Um, and then take off... Um, and then take off Shaka. I was going to sort of either replace Shaka, keep Erdogan on, replace Shaka, and put on um, Ninketi. I have four up front. Um, so I'll have a 4 2 4. 
that's what I would have done. That's my own. Um, but I do understand why sort of Tosa came on for Jesus. I, I, I get it. He can he can play those sort of still play play that false nine role. Um, he can step back. He can go back. He can. He's not bad at defending. He can go forward. He can go on the wings. He can interchange. But the only thing different from Trossard to Jesus is I just think Jesus has that. He makes defenders sweat. Do you know what I mean? Mm. He, he he worries you. He he can keep you on your left, and then all of a sudden he's he's, he's done a quick little two step, and you're not even not near him. So, um, yeah, I, I wasn't too keen on that substitution. What about you? What was did you have doubts about it? Because I, I I can't have been the only one. I think a lot's been said about Arteta's um, substitutions, you know, in the past. And I think it's something that's going to continue to haunt him because I think today, as well as last week, um, changes, I think the wrong changes were made. You know, I'll be blunt, I'll be honest. And I'm not going to try and sugarcoat it because as as amazing as a job that he's done, there are still areas that need to be improved most notably the game management side of things. Um, I wouldn't have taken Jesus off. I think for someone who is as influential as him. And you know what? The problem wasn't that he was or Jesus or the guys up top weren't good enough. The problem was we weren't getting the ball quick enough to them. The yeah. problem was that we weren't able to beat that first line. We weren't able to get through Ben Rama, Antonio, uh, um, Antonio and Bowen. And so what needed to be done was that we needed to get the central midfielders to play deeper, to add more numbers, to play shorter passes, more intricate passes, and try and reduce the size of the pitch. Because that was what, at one point, the, the wingers were so far wide, it was impossible to get the ball to them. And we were, you, and when you guys, if, if, you, if you watch the game back, you'll notice that a lot of cross-field balls were being played. A lot of long balls over the top were being attempted, but they weren't coming to anything because we were lacking in confidence. And so those passes weren't as accurate as they needed to be. And so in the 65th minute, which is the right time to make a change, we all know at that moment in time that something needed to be done. Um, Jorginho, I would have put on. Trossard, I would have put on. I would have gone as far as even bringing on Vieira at that point and maybe Nelson for one of them because you could tell that a spark needed to be ignited and to take off Jesus is to take off someone who is as fluid as they come Um, in a game Mm -hmm. where you needed players to be moving around to be getting in between lines to be pulling players out of possession because West Ham looked really really good and the reason why they look really good is because we allowed them to be moving around in their shape Something Arsenal have been doing really, really well this season is disrupting opposition um, spatially. And that's something that we didn't do. We really, really struggled to do that. Um, and yeah, you know, it, it, it got worse where when we decided to bring on Nketiah with three minutes to go or, you know, with five minutes to go. Um, we're bringing on Nelson and Vieira with five minutes to go. And then with two or three minutes to go, we're bringing on Nketiah, really late substitutions. I think if Nelson had come on 10, 15 minutes earlier, the impact that he's had already this season and the impact that he brought on, I mean, he came on and he'd only been on for on the pitch for a couple of minutes and already injected bright sparks of energy, putting a lovely ball into the box for Saka to head wide. And just his presence and his aura, you know, uh, very reminiscent of, of, of um, what he played like in the Aston Villa game, just looking busy, you know, and I felt like nobody wanted to look 
busy. We had a, there was a moment in the game, I think, um, just before uh, the seventy fifth minute, where we we had possession. Odegaard being in the center of it, playing short passes on the edge of the box. West Ham soaking it up, but the fluidity in our game remaining. But it was just lacking conviction, and I think that's the key word here. There was no conviction in any pass that we were making. It was so, so poor in the final third, really just not looking very sure of ourselves, questioning ourselves almost, almost taking an extra touch than we needed to. Um, and I, I, I don't know where that comes to, what that comes down to. I don't know whether it's, it's the title um, in the back of their minds. I think where we've looked the most dangerous is when we've been playing without pressure and where we've been um, able to you know, just be ourselves without having this added weight of the title in the conversation. Whereas now we know there is a, there's a title to play for. And so when Bowen gets almost a one-on-one um, and his shot is blocked by Tierney, it's at that point really where I'm thinking, I don't think Arsenal can do any more. I don't think there's... And, you know, Antonio hits the woodwork as well from a cross that comes into the box. Holding beaten by Ben Rama, who puts that who puts that ball in. No, I think it was it was before that. I think it was the the Bowen one, where holding isn't as touch tight to his man. Um, so there is a number of different issues that I can point out in that second half, but the main one just comes down to a lack of belief, and it's crazy to say that because if there's one thing that Arsenal have been doing throughout the course of the season is believing in themselves. And we only need to point out the 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 the, the handful of you know the three or four last minute goals that they've been managed to conjure up. Um, so look, Adam, the last few minutes of that game, usually we see a lot of frantic passing, a lot of quick movement from Arsenal to try and muster something up. This time round, I found myself in the last few minutes sending you guys the podcast link rather than watching the game on the edge of my seat. What did yeah. you make of that final uh, few minutes? I, honestly, I, I didn't have any belief that we were going to do it. Even at the, the 94th minute, we were kind of walking with the ball. At one point, it was kind of just inside the West Ham half. And we didn't look like we were going to progress the ball at all. The, even the way it ended, it wasn't like flinging the ball into the box, trying to get it into Encadia. There was just nothing. I think the closest we got later on was Reese Nelson put a cross into the box that was headed out. But yeah, the last 10 minutes especially, just nothing. And I, I, the substitutions for me were really poor from Arteta. The Jesus one, I think he... he after probably being the best player on the pitch for the first half, he, he was going through a bit of a tough spell before he came off. But it, you just back him to come back, and uh, well, he's the best player on the pitch, isn't again, he? If you're gonna, if you're betting on yeah, someone to pull a goal and to put put us, you know, ahead, it's him. Well, even his pace as an outlet, that's something that you you have to remember as well, and it's. I know he was on a book and I know he was having a, a bit of a bad patch, but the, he's someone that I want on the pitch. I, and so I don't understand that. I also don't understand 
leaving it too late to bring in Carrier on because again, throwing someone on in the 85th minute, it's if he's fit enough to come on at that point, he's fit enough to come on 10 minutes before that. And the Vieira change, I thought he was very poor when he came on again. He, he just didn't do anything. And uh, the the one for me, I was looking at, I was thinking, this is a game that was Sid Smith row. Mm. And even when we go to guard off, I didn't understand that because you just want a free kick. You want the player who hits those free kicks still on the pitch. I, I would have gone for Shaka in that situation. And but yeah, I thought the changes impacted the game. And the only one that I thought I thought Trossard was quite good when he came on. I thought he had a good game. I just felt it was the wrong change. So again, Saka didn't look anywhere near his best. The intent whenever he, he gets the ball to go out a defender wasn't there. He did have a chance sixty nine minutes in where we broke and he carried it really well. And as he got to the edge, he tried to put it onto his left foot. And it was kind of a limp effort that went into Fabianski's hands. But he was very much being shown onto his right. And a more confident Saka that hasn't just missed the penalty switches that ball into his right foot and really unleashes it. So I think the, the penalty definitely affected Saka. And it after that, we just... Even though we, we had a lot of the ball, it, it's weird. I was saying to you before we started this, we had 72% of the possession and we played almost three times more passes than West Ham did. It really didn't feel like that. And if anything, in the last 10 minutes, they, they were talking a lot in the commentary about Arsenal getting a winner. I felt like West Ham could have got a winner. I, I just felt it was one of those games where if they... It kind of the... You know, Rodri's goal for City last year against us late in the game, that a stupid, just a long ball into the box that we failed to deal with, it breaks. I felt something like that was going to happen and uh, I, I just didn't feel that we were going to score and go on and win that game. It was, it, it felt it felt like our Europe League performances. You know, where we go out, we feel that just by turning up, we've got the right to win and it was, I think it was a hard lesson that we've learned today, and it's one that could really cost us as well. So, so yeah, I, I don't even think Anfield affected us because of the way we started that game. It was the kind of passive nature that we played with from about 20 minutes into the game onwards. And that continued right up to the last 10 when you think, right. West Ham are completely pinned back into their box here. They're relying on an out ball, lacking it long. And we just didn't seem to have that desire to really go on and make them pay. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, we can talk about this game all day till we're blue in the face. But the reality is this game is now done. And we still find ourselves in a favourable position in the sense that even if City win and, you know, let's be honest, they'll probably end up winning their game in hand, we will still be a point ahead of them going into the game at City. So now isn't the time to, I guess, capitulate and to um, lose our heads. Now is the time to regroup and to beat Southampton 
and then play that penultimate game against City. Um, Monty, are we going? Are, are we drawing comparisons to this, the the Newcastle defeat to last season, or do you think this is going to be a little bit different? In in what respect? In the sense that have Arsenal? Are we going to see a repeat of Arsenal just losing their heads, dropping it completely? Just the way that we missed out on Champions League football against Newcastle last season, do you think it's going to be a repeat case or can we salvage this? Honestly, mm. I don't think we will capitulate. I think, honestly, the biggest um, reason we've dropped the points we have in the last few games has been the fact that Saliba hasn't been available. I think that's actually way bigger than what people realise because when him and Gabriel were together... If you look, at, if you just look back at the goals, just look how they occurred, they just wouldn't happen. Does anyone um, know when he's coming back? By the way, no, no, no. <laughs> I think I think Gartel's just keeping it super quiet. Yeah, I can't, I can't imagine him not playing a city game. Mm. He'll probably take an injection for that game. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Um, so, I, I, and then, but the thing is, even though if we do beat City, we then have to beat Chelsea, we then have to beat Newcastle, we then have to beat Brighton, mm. and they're hard games. Brighton are no joke. Um, but see, I don't feel I I I feel more Newcastle confident look a going bit flaky into. Though. I feel more confident about Newcastle now. Looking at the the Aston Villa game actually, because mm. um, I don't know if you saw that. That was probably their worst performance. It was, it was awful. It was awful yeah. since um, since the takeover really. And I think they are also getting jizzed. You know what I mean? Brighton as well. They're they're gonna get a bit nervy um, because it's gonna be their first opportunity to go to Europe. Um, then you've got sort of Liverpool in there. Uh, who want to go back into Europe? Um, you've got Aston Villa, who are, who are on a, some mad late charge. Unai Emery, what is this guy? He, he just wants to get in the Europa League again, doesn't he? He loves it. <laughs> yeah. He loves it. Um, yeah, no, for the City game, I can I can see Sleeper coming in, but it's gonna it's gonna be it's gonna take everything. It's gonna take everything, and I do think we do have enough to win that game. Um, it's just about the execution. That's, that's what it comes down to. It's the execution. I don't doubt our style of play. I don't doubt the the players that we have. Because um, we've seen it. We've seen when we played it before. We've outplayed them. But we mm. just can't keep our heads for 90 minutes. Um, so, oh, bless me. Um, I just hope that we can. I do. I, it's, it's pure hope at this stage. Um, but I, I, I do believe that the team is capable of doing it. I don't think we are the same team as we were last season uh, where we sort of dropped off. Uh, I think that's evident. Anyone could tell you that. We didn't have the, the depth, the quality, the the experience in the squad. Uh, and I think as well, the squad also had that experience last year. And that's just, that's just I can imagine Arteta's out there somewhere drawing a diagram of, of like Newcastle fans and Spurs fans somewhere losing it. Um, and just sort of like making them reminisce how much it hurt for them to want to win. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Um, see, I'm not, I'm not too worried. The biggest thing for me is is just purely sort of injuries, um, and obviously Southampton is going to be a, a tricky game. Um, we know well, they're gonna... all going to be tricky now, aren't they? If we're going to drop yeah. points against West Ham, nothing's going to be simple from from here on. Yeah, no, definitely. And the only good thing is that I'm going, I'm going to the game on Friday, so. I haven't still uh, still haven't seen us lose yet, so yeah. So we can Maybe to get you a ticket for all the games. 
Yeah, mate. It's, I mean, get, get the petition going. Get me that season ticket. I'm there. Um, yeah. yeah. <sighs> Honestly, I'm. I'm not. I'm actually still not too worried about it. What, what about you? Are you? Are you sort of? Ner- are you like really nervous? Were you more nervous than you was sort of, sort of just before this game? What 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 your sort of takes? Well, I, I put a tweet out before the game saying I'm feeling way too comfortable about this game, and that's that, that's usually where the problem lies. <laughs> Whenever I'm feeling too confident about a game or too comfortable, or I haven't thought about it much. It's usually those games where something bad happens or something something goes wrong. Um, I'm bricking it. I have to be honest. I feel really really nervous about the rest of the season, and I, I think it's partly because. There's a large part of me that is yet to prepare myself for if we lose, if we end up not winning the Premier League. Um, I haven't mentally prepared myself for that scenario, for that situation, for City to lift that trophy. I haven't actually prepared myself to watch them, um, you know, lift it. So I don't know whether I should. I don't know whether, you know, it's necessary for me to mentally get myself ready for the worst case scenario um but it's deeply concerning having watched that second half I don't think and you know here's me a very optimistic Arsenal fan I've seen it all you know post Wenger I was there um and I I I think it would be bitterly disappointing if we throw it away now but look you know we haven't even mentioned the fact that we have officially um cemented our place in the champions league next season so there is a bit of a silver lining into this draw but that just goes to show at the level of ambition at this club that just goes to show at where our heads are as a fan base we don't just want champions league football next season we're so so close we need to win it now and if we don't win it now we're gonna you know it it, it will it will feel like um what it felt like last season but we have to also remember that we are nowhere near the finished article. We're nowhere near what we want to be. And that's amazing. It's amazing to sit here as an Arsenal fan, to expect our club to win a league title, having still been on this journey, having still have had these empty pockets of spaces that we need to still fill. So, bittersweet. You know, I need to remind myself where we are as a club. And I guess what's really worrying for me is what if this doesn't happen again? What if we don't find ourselves in this situation? A lack of faith, I guess. You know, and I think most of us can put ourselves in this in in, in the same boat. We, we haven't seen our club compete in so, so long. And... You know, a lot of clubs around us, like United, like, um, you know, Chelsea, Liverpool, have dropped off massively. They've had, some might call it an off-season. I still think that it's been more the case that we've been amazing than they've dropped off. But what if we're unable to replicate this next season? Then what? And that is the kind of place where I am at. And that's, I guess, I need to get past that and I need to put a bit more faith in what Arteta has done and how far the club's come. Um, I guess I'll, I'll pose the same question to you, Adam. Where yeah, do we I go think, from here? 
<laughs> I think we're going to the Southampton game and hopefully not do what we did today because it's one of those today was seemed to be everything that we would have wanted. Two 0 up, ten minutes in, they played on a Thursday night. So, oh my I god, I, I completely for, forgot for, that they played on a Thursday night as well. Wow. So yeah, they uh, and away from home. So yeah, rub uh, the salt in the room, us, why don't you? Yeah, <laughs> for us, well, for me certainly, it's Southampton. Now I think it's one of those. We need to sort ourselves out defensively. I think it's it was it, what well, I, I don't think it's even just the back four today. It was the, the way the whole team played? It was the the energy transmitted the whole way through the team, and uh, we need to shake ourselves and come back out firing next week, Friday night. Less time to prepare. Hopefully, that does us a favor. It leads to kind of quicker bounce back uh, so yeah I think we're, we, if, assuming City win their game in hand we are still going to be a point clear of them and we've got some really tough games coming up Saudi City not as tough as us but I think we just have to remain hopeful as far as continuing to build goes and like being there again I, I think this team are going to be there again next season I think the the structure with, with, we, which, we, with which we play is so established now the control we have on games and i think we're going to go out and add really strongly in the summer um obviously one of those is Declan rice that we're going to be in the mix for who i thought was very good today thought he his running power and just his passing range as well the way he was leading his team it, it was a contrast to how some of our players performed and so yeah adding someone like him or a Caicedo or just getting more legs in that midfield area because I think it's one of those, like again, when Jorginho come on today, he looked good, but we know where his strengths are and we know where his weaknesses are. And it's probably his weaknesses that scare us more than his, his strengths excite us. So, so yeah, I'm not worried about us not being there again. I think that, this is just the start for this team. We've got two superstar wingers that are 21. Odegaard's 24. Saliba's 21 as well. So I think as soon as we can get those contracts signed, then we can start to look forward to further additions. But for me, they're the two most important things before we add anyone else. And yeah, Southampton is the next focus because, yeah, I felt very relaxed 10 minutes in today. And now I'm thinking of the worst but, mm. but yeah okay I will tell you this I will tell you this I will tell you know all the listeners who are in the same position that we're in who are you know panicking or a little bit slightly uneasier and on the edge um, you know every time this season where Arsenal have dropped the ball pardon the pun we have gone on a really good run you know and, and you know you might want you, you might be pointing out well what about last week um, if you had asked me before the game last week what I would have taken from Anfield, I would have absolutely taken a point. So I don't think that last week we dropped two points. I think last week was a point gain, a really difficult place to play. Whereas this week, it is a shock result because we're expected to beat West Ham. And if you listen back to last week's episode, me and Adam were um, jointly agreed that West Ham and Southampton were six points. Absolutely must. 
Whereas now we've dropped two points. And now we will see, um, hopefully we will see the Arsenal that we've been seeing, the character that we've been seeing throughout the course of the season, which is when things get tough, Arsenal roll up their socks and really get going. And it's it's really, really fitting that the next two games in quick succession are um, Southampton and Manchester City. And we're 10 days away from that City game. And so those two games coming at the time that they're coming, I think hopefully, this is the flip side of the argument, hopefully should do us a favour. And if, if we need to, if we needed to draw against West Ham to beat Man City, so be it. Because that game and those three points are probably the most important three points of the season. And if we go on to beat City, then Chelsea, Newcastle, Brighton, Nottingham Forest and Wolves will be a, a, a matter of getting those games out of the way. And we will face, you know, tough times and tricky patches and moments of real test during those games. But if we can beat City, then we will believe that we can beat anyone and we will play like champions. Um, but yeah, I just thought it would be... <laughs> I just thought I'd give my two cents on that um, to hopefully calm the nerves and ease the stress. Um, but we go again. We go again in five days' time against Southampton at the Emirates Stadium under the lights where Arsenal will have their opportunity. They will have their day to prove that they're worthy of lifting that Premier League trophy. But there's still such a long way to go. Um, and look, I think we've, we've, we've rambled on long enough and we've um, unpacked this for as, as, as much as we, have, we could have... Um, you know, especially straight after the game where I guess we ourselves as, as, as the co-hosts of the show are still kind of unpacking it in our heads. Uh, but hopefully we've done some justice to the game and hopefully we've helped you find some form of ease. <laughs> Um, but I will leave it there. I just want to say a massive thank you to everyone who's listened up until this point. Thank you very much. If you did enjoy the episode, please do give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Let us know what you thought of this episode by reaching out to us over on Twitter. You can find us over there at AskTherapyPod. You can also find the boys over there. Please do give them a follow and reach out to them and let them know what you thought of the show by finding, um, well, let's start off with Adam. You can find him over there at AdamKeys underscore. And you can find uh, Monty over there, as always, at Monty underscore official underscore. And you can find me over there at Gunner since 96. I don't usually use my Twitter much because I'm so busy on the um, Arsenal Therapy podcast one. But who knows? Maybe I'll be back over there. Um, but yeah, a, a, a disappointing afternoon and an opportunity to get back on the right path. We'll be back for the next one against Southampton. But until then, have yourselves a very good week. Take care and we'll speak to you soon. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. <laughs>